Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Lucas Caceres. Lucas is a fiduciary, certified financial planner, and founder of Level Up Finance Planning. He specializes in serving tech professionals who want to maximize their financial opportunities to live their best lives today. Welcome, Lucas. Yeah, thanks for having me. So real quick, why don't you give us a background on how you got into the finance industry and what led you to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, I had no clue what I was doing or what I wanted to do. And I ended up working for a community bank back in Illinois, where I'm originally from. And what happened was I was doing community college, having school or had my work pay for part of my school to help keep down student loan debt and things like that. But then I got really interested in the 401k, employee stock purchase plan and things like that, that I had at that bank. And so that's what kind of sent me in the direction of how, how do I become a financial planner? And then once I found out that there's programs and and things I could do, I ended up going to CSU in Fort Collins and becoming a, a financial planner through that route. And still working my way through school at that point in time. And this is kind of where I got exposed to tech professionals because when I was going to school working here in Fort Collins, Colorado, I started working at a credit union called First Tech Federal Credit Union. And they're, they're the credit union for a lot of big kind of tech companies like Intel, HP, all the different versions of HP now, uh, Avago, which is now uh, Broadcom. And so lots, lots of large tech companies. I was working there, getting exposure to that. Once I finished my program, I actually ended up working for a financial planner who specialized in all those kind of tech professionals. And so I got the exposure to stock options, RSUs, uh, layoff packages, and all that fun stuff too. Fantastic. I have no idea some of the words you just said. (laughs) Yeah, we can definitely dive into throughout the the course of the episode as far as what some of those things would look like and, and what to do if you run into them, if you've never had exposure in the past. Yeah, with that, my mother tried to get me interested in, in personal finance when I was younger. When myself and my sister were, were young, she actually set us up with accounts at the credit union that uh, she was a member of. She was uh, in state government for many, many years and retired there. She also set us up with her own personal financial planner and, and set us up with savings plans and, and 401ks and, and those types of things. I'm a little disappointed in myself that through my my later teen years and early 20s and maybe longer than that, I uh, didn't contribute as much as I probably could have or should have into those types of, of accounts. That's about the extent of my knowledge is that if I had contributed early to those programs, I would be in better shape now. Uh, so surely there's there's more to it than that. We're going to talk about debt and emergency expenses and things like that throughout the show. But walk us through what are the the typical problems you see or the missteps or the the issues that a lot of people, maybe even a lot of people in the tech industry that, that you see from them? Yeah, so the biggest one, and it matches up perfectly kind of with the listeners of the show, having six figures being a high probability of your income. What happens is before you got to that six figure mark, you were probably in college, you might have not went directly into 
that six figure mark right out of college. And so you probably started at 50, 60, 70,000, but it quickly ramped up. And what happened was you had that lifestyle creep that happens to all Americans. You, you turn on the radio, you listen to Pandora. If you drive in your car, you're going to hear commercials of people trying to sell you things and tell you that your life is going to be so much more awesome. If you just buy this one additional product, add this additional line item to your, your monthly expenses every single month. And so the, the biggest thing by far, especially to the segment that's listening to your podcast is that lifestyle creep that occurs. So if you are used to living off 50,000 and having a good life and you have the same amount of kind of joy that you have now as you're making a hundred thousand or more, but you're not saving nearly as much as you could be. Well, there, there's a problem because you're now reliant on a hundred thousand dollars of income. And if something comes up like uh, COVID-19, unexpected layoffs and things like that, then you're kind of stuck in a, a tough spot because unemployment is not going to cover that whole hundred thousand dollar salary they earn. And so what, what, um, you mentioned like going from like in development, you might start at anywhere between like 30 and $60,000. And then hopefully after a few years, you're up towards like 90 to, to over a hundred. Where in that range is like a good place to, to just, I don't know, cap your expenses. Yeah. And so this is kind of a, another trickier part is because there's so many competing priorities. It's not like, you don't come out of college thinking like, Oh, I can't wait to retire. I'm just going to start saving and do what I can. Like, like John said, if you do that stuff earlier on and you get really gung ho about it. Yeah. Some people can retire early. I actually have one of my clients um, just recently reach out to me like, Hey, I'd kind of be interested in trying to see if I can retire in the next five to 10 years, which uh, it's going to take a lot of adjustments. But the thing is, there's so many competing priorities. If you, if you have a spouse, if you have, children like you're it's not just your own expenses you're controlling you're controlling these other people you're responsible for these other expenses and it's hard to say no sometimes and then yeah how big of a house do you need how fast how fancy of a car do you need all these things kind of play into the the whole financial picture and that's that's why financial planners do exist for the people that do need it is because there's too many things and there's (laughs) there's too many things that you feel like you have to do but unfortunately unless you're even millionaires don't make enough money to do everything they could ever dream of instantly. You kind of had to plan these things out and kind of set course of, Hey, if these are the things that are important to me, this is how I need to stack these things out. So really it comes down to personal preference, personal priorities and goals. And the problem is a lot of people don't take the time to sit down and talk about these or think about them, especially if they have a spouse or significant other like, all right, let's just, we'll, we'll do the minimum to get our free match in from our 401k with our employer and hopefully that's enough because we don't really have time. We don't really want to find reasons to have to save more because we, we want to get the most out of today and um, kind of maximize your lifestyle. So it, it's tricky. There's no one point. But one interesting thing is there's been studies that show on a scale of kind of happiness in your income, it does kind of plateau basically at about 70, probably just for inflation, about $80,000 of income. And that's all going to have to be adjusted for where you're living and kind of cost of living in that area. But it's pretty standard across the board that once you get to a certain threshold, really just buying additional stuff isn't really going to increase your happiness as much. You have all the the basic necessities, you're well taken care of, you're not going to starve, you're not fearful of anything from a financial standpoint. So usually about that $70,000-$80,000 range, you can really start to still get the best enjoyment as you can right now out of your life and 
really start making huge progress after that point as you get those additional raises and it, it's hard to do though right because there's always always things calling your name um i just had a third child and all all three of them so three and a half and younger so they're all in these big bulky car seats well that that wasn't fitting in, in the car that we had so we had to look for a third row and it's like ah it's it's one of the things we definitely could have found a way if we needed to to keep our expenses lower and just be like well, one of our kids is we're going to put them in a different type of booster type chair and, and not be the, the guidance that's recommended. Um, there's there's things you can do. And it just kind of comes down to what's comfortable for you. What do you believe is most important to you? And and when it comes down to family, most of the time, that's what wins out. And so we ended up accepting that additional cost for those types of things. So that, that stuff comes up. And the cool thing is you do have the control of making that decision. You can decide not to, we could have decided to buy like a, a beat down van and still kind of got that same uh, capacity for our family. But luckily we're in a position where we don't necessarily have to, to do that. And we can still kind of hit all of our goals that we have planned. I think most of my issues come from me telling myself the statement that you just said, like, you know, I could go get like the minimum version of, of X, whatever, whatever that is, but I make a good salary. I might as well get the good thing, you know, so, so I end up with like top of the line stove and refrigerator and car and TV and, you know, whatever else. And it just never, it never ends. And I've got two kids that live with me full time and then two that I rent. <laughs> okay. And, um, oof, family is a, is a huge, huge money sink. Yep. I mean, you know, you wouldn't give them up for the world, but at the same time, it's like, you, I, how much is daycare? Like I got to spend $800 for what? And, you know, getting a developer salary, even a modest one, like 60, 70, you don't get, you don't get any breaks. You got to pay the full daycare cost. There's no financial aid for probably, I would assume most developers because we're past that, that poverty line. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that you kind of start to run into is, well, that that's a huge chunk of money. And if you have a, a partner or spouse that would be working in it gets really tricky because if their income isn't nearly as high as yours, it's like, well, your income is going to get eaten up by the daycare. Like, would you rather spend time with the kids and do daycare or like, do you need that space? And some people do need that space to still work, even though it's all going to daycare for the next three to five years. And then the, obviously once that's over, then there'll probably be some other sports type things where, uh, those get to be pretty expensive depending on what types of leagues you're joining there. It's easy to to fall into that trap too, that there are so many ways that, that you can spend money. Like you said, there's always something on the radio advertising something that, that you absolutely have to have. And my wife and I met and, and didn't marry until we were in our late 20s. So we each had our own house. We had our own cars. We uh, figured out that banks were willing to give us credit cards. So we racked up credit card debt, having a lot of fun throughout our 20s. And it, it took us a, a number of years to to recover from that. Whereas, you know, if we had been smart about our expenses, we, we probably could have been in better shape than we are now, although we're not in, in bad shape. I've even gone so far as to with, with the situation where people aren't really leaving their house too much right now. I've even thought about going down to, to a single car um, and having a conversation like that with my wife 
probably wouldn't have happened a number of years ago. It's only been since we were married that we have those conversations about finances and planning and, and being more intentional about finances. I'm, I'm very much structured. I want to put it into a spreadsheet. I want to have a budget. I want to look to see, are we making progress towards our goals and that type of thing? Whereas my wife is very much, you know, more more emotional, more more feelings about uh, those types of things, and and when I ask for it in in the structure that I'm wanting and needing, uh, th- that isn't heard very well. So I had to learn that the structure, the the spreadsheets are are my responsibility, are are my problem. Having that conversation, if I want to make that plan, then I need to to figure out how to how to get her on board with having that type of conversation where she's also comfortable. Yeah. Yep. And relationships, right? They're they're tricky. It's complex. You all have different backgrounds. And that's one of the fun things that I enjoy with Level Up Financial Planning. One of the things is I help significantly younger clients than what I would have traditionally if I stayed working for someone else. So my typical client in the past would have been 50, 60-year-old people a few years out from retirement. But now my youngest clients are like 23. And a lot of these couples are meeting right after this call. I have a meeting where uh, they're engaged. So now they're talking, well, how much are they going to be joined in finances? What things do they want to be all in on? And the problem is there's no one right answer. So it's it takes kind of that communication. And that's super important. And it sounds like you guys figured it out more or less to kind of know, yeah, I, I know if I put it this way, I'm not going to get what I need. It's not going to be beneficial. And so you start to figure these things out over time. But also sometimes people don't figure it out because it's like, oh, that we hit a nerve we're never having that conversation again and and things don't get better things don't kind of get planned out and organized as as well as you may like and yeah communication is so huge and it does take kind of figuring out (laughs) trial and error a little bit to find out well how can we communicate so that at least our main goals those things are known enough to both of you where you can kind of head in that direction and use those goals to help kind of tweak some behavior because yeah, if, if you're racking up credit cards on clothing or video games or drinking, whatever, whatever you could spend money on. Right. But if you're doing those, but travel is super important to you and that actually makes you like really happy compared to some of these other things that make you very minimally happy in the short term. Well, if you get on the same page, like, Oh, well we can travel, we can travel to some really awesome places but we can't do some of these things or can't do it at that same level. And kind of to, to Clayton's point there, he's like, oh, yeah, there's like all these different things. That's really where people shoot themselves in the foot. Like you can typically have like one or two things or even with a six figure income, some pretty significant areas where you can kind of have upgraded to a T type experiences and products and futures and things like that. The problem is when it you need it across the board, it's it makes it very hard to get ahead because yeah, all of a sudden, oh, the next new model's out, the next new year's out. My my friends or family have this and, and now I kind of feel like I'm falling behind and my stuff's getting ancient. And so that's the tricky thing is like finding the things that really do matter. And that's one of the things that's helpful to have those conversations, especially when you have a significant other, especially when you have children involved, like, hey, like what's the most important? And then let's start building around that. And the cool thing is, is you can back into it with the spreadsheets or however you want to attack it. You can back in and say, well, since we got our main things covered, it looks like we still got some extra money to to play around with. So that's where you can be like, well, this extra money could either make that travel better. We can help kids go to school, 
with less student loan debt. It can be whatever you want it to be, but it does help to kind of get clear. Otherwise, you're just going to feel uncomfortable and uh, sometimes angry and frustrated and not understand why. And it's because some financial tension is somewhere in the background there. One of the things you said about like the new models available and, and all that stuff, um, that's another trap that I've, I have fallen into. I was in the, the army in the early 2000s. I got out like a what, 2000, right when 2008 started. Being in the army, you change the, the post that you're at like every, every one and a half to two years usually. So for eight years almost, Every two years, I was dropping everything I had, going to a new place, getting a new apartment, getting all new stuff, switching cars, doing all that stuff, because that was just the lifestyle. And so all the way up until about four years ago, I kept doing that, except for I had a family when I got back to the States. So I was buying houses every two years, <laughs> like selling the house and moving, selling the house and moving. And same thing with the car. And one of the biggest traps I fell into was once you once you've had something of a certain quality level, it's hard to go back down. So like if you've if you've made the mistake, well, I call it a mistake. I right now looking back on it, I consider it a mistake. If you've made the mistake of buying a new car, even an, even a cheap one, like I bought a uh, I bought an Aveo for like eleven thousand dollars, but then after I had that new car, and a couple years had gone by. And, you know, it didn't smell new anymore and the carpet had some stuff on it and, you know, whatever. It was like, I want another car. But I can't just have, you know, like this used car that I found for under $1,000. I need a new car. So I go and buy a, you know, a new car. But but this time, you know, it was an upgrade. You got to upgrade. So I, <laughs> I bought a 20-something thousand dollar car. And then I bought a 30-something thousand dollar car. And now I've got a 40-something thousand dollar truck. And <laughs> it never ends. So more of a suggestion for anybody listening than, than a question is if you can avoid it, don't ever get into that trap. Like hold out on buying the, the brand new thing until, until like you've planned it and saved up for it and, and whatnot. I never did that. It was just, it's time for a new car and I make enough money. I'm going to get something nice. For me, at least that was a bad idea because unlike John, I don't do spreadsheets and I don't plan. I want everything to be as simple as possible so if I've got money in my checking account, I'm going to spend it. Even today on, on some things, I keep doing that. Yeah, and I think that's where that kind of range of that happiness level on that kind of visual chart I was mentioning, like your happiness and your income. Basically, once you get to 70, 80,000, like when you're spending that money, it's not needed. It's not required to have a good life. It's It's those extra things and upgraded, which is fine. It's just when you have too many of those things or they're just super expensive hobbies, super expensive things that you're into and there's a lot of them, well, yeah, you just you might have to be happy like never being able to retire and hoping at least for the the tech clients that are up here in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's a lot of old tech companies and they do mass layoffs and unfortunately it is usually the older kind of generation that's targeted for those things and it's harder for them to find positions after that happens because their their salary is like $200,000 and uh, it's it's just a little bit trickier when they're going out. They get very, very small window of opportunities that are going to be available, especially if they don't want to move, if they're not able to work remote. And so, yeah, you can do these things as long as you kind of have a plan and understand like, yep, if, if I do this and I'm not going to retire until 70 or if I do this good thing, maybe I pull these things back. I start to change these habits. And that's kind of what you're talking to, Clayton, is these habits are powerful. You don't realize them and they're there. And it's just like, oh, like clockwork, because that's what you've been doing. You kind of built up that habit that that wasn't happening. 
it's not that you like write it down on a calendar that it's going to happen like internally. It just kind of magically happens like, oh, it's about that two year mark. I, I need something new and fresh melon. And so that's super important to be aware of and just be intentional as you're choosing what it is that you're going to be spending on. Be super intentional and have that understanding. How is this going to affect the other things that are important to you? And that's that's what it comes down to. You can do a lot of things, especially with the six-figure income. It just you probably can't do all of them at once because they, they kind of compete against each other as far as priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to get somebody on the right track, what age is a good age to start really considering that retirement thing? Like, is it like, you know, 12 or is it <laughs> a little bit later? <laughs> yeah, so as soon as you get a job... Um, would make sense because even if you're even if you're going to school and you're working and only getting like ten thousand because you're you're doing school and you're just getting some like internship or something like that, if you just do like ten percent or ten thousand, it's a thousand dollars, and from a per paycheck, it's in it's not going to be too noticeable to you, and you're probably just going to waste it anyway. So if you just get in the habit as soon as you start earning money, that ten percent of it is going to go into retirement, that's, you want to start as early as possible. Some of my clients that have teenage children and start to work, they'll do that. They'll start funding a Roth account because their kids basically have no, no income taxes because they don't earn enough to actually make it into a tax bracket where they're going to have to start paying taxes. And then if you put it in a Roth account, it's going to grow tax-free. And so as early as possible, and again, it, it does come down to kind of those balancing and competing priorities. But obviously if you have these big, huge goals that are short-term and you don't want to go into credit card debt for them, it makes sense to not always save that 10% or 15% of your stuff. But again, it kind of comes down to once you're planning it out, then it's very easy to move these kind of toggles and be like, oh, we know how this is going to impact this. Does that feel fine? If we just, instead of putting this on credit card debt and paying 20%, if we save for this, still get your matching with your 401k, but not be as aggressive. Since we've got you here for some free financial advice for ourselves, we've talked about how to avoid debt and how to get out of debt and, and how to start saving when you're young. And and let's hypothetically assume that maybe some of that happened, maybe some of it didn't, maybe some of it got paused. During our, our 30s, my wife and I got to where we are based on any number of choices. And, and now we've we've moved to Florida. We have a, a young child. We're We're in a good spot and we're ramping up and prepping for what retirement might look like in a couple of decades. And I also saw a, a Facebook post from a friend of mine saying that something like when you're 30, you should have two or three times your salary in retirement. When you're 40, you should have five or six or whatever the case may be. And and looking at those figures, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm, I'm so far behind. So how do you get there if you neglected to contribute when you were younger? It's harder, right? It's it's going to be harder than a younger John and your wife taking a different route earlier on compared to kind of what we're dealing with now. And they're, that other kind of alternate life version of you is feeling like super confident, not, not looking at that and being like, oh man, what the heck, how am I going to do this? And so, yeah, there's a benefit. That's one of the reasons why I do help people as early as as they want basically to start working with me to get this plan in place because it just gets so much easier, but you're still mid career. You're still making a high amount of money. It just comes down to being intentional, understanding like, Hey, we, we could have done things a little bit different, but at the end of the day, like you are where you're at, you're, you still have a job, 
You still have many years ahead of you to be able to work. So you still are in control. It's just going to be a little bit more aggressive. <laughs> you're going to have to be with your savings. And maybe because you said yes to so many things in the past, you're going to have to start being a little bit more intentional and saying no to some of the things that you wouldn't have had to otherwise. And so that that's really the trick. I created um, an infograph type uh, situation where like how hard it is to make good financial decisions early on. It's super hard. It's really hard because retirement and all the financial stuff, like I'll figure that out later, procrastination. And then on the opposite end, like as you're getting closer to retirement, like, oh, this is super important. I'm going to focus on it. It's easier. It's more important to you. So you're, you're going to spend time on it, but it's more of an uphill battle if you haven't done the things that you need to. And if you do start early and you kind of fight that urge of, oh, retirement's 40, 50 years from now, just tell yourself, look, well, am I going to miss 5%, 10% or am I just going to spend it on something that's I'm not going to even remember tomorrow or next month? And how much that could help you, how much more confidently you can stroll into retirement and really be in control of your financial situation. That's what's really important to me is having confidence and having control over your situation because yeah, even though we had a, a quick conversation, I think before we hit the record that, yeah, software engineers still in high demand probably will be for the foreseeable future. But that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a, a long stretch of employment gap or unemployment gap and, and having issues there. And that stuff can set you really far behind if you're not in control of what's going on, how much is going out and, and having those things kind of nailed down because that's your first line of defense is that emergency savings. Uh, speaking of the emergency savings, do you have like a, a baseline in relation to someone's salary, like how much they should have set back? Yeah, so it it really depends. If you are a single individual, you'll probably be fine with about three months of kind of your salary, three months of your expenses that you really need to cover. And if you have a significant other and if they are not making up an equitable or kind of similar salary as you, then you really want to get closer to six months. Because if you have two or two family members or a whole kind of family relying on that, it gets drained a lot faster than three months will uh, actually. So you, you want to have six months there and kind of gives you additional protection. So that is a rule of thumb kind of baseline. I'm actually a big fan of doing a little bit more if that's going to make you feel comfortable because some people just need to see like a hundred thousand or they need to see 50,000, even if that's above kind of what these targets are. And it's like, yeah, if, if that's going to make you sleep better at night, then let's, let's do that. Once we get to that point, that excess savings can go towards your goals and, and all those other things that are going to be more fun. But it's, it's important to at least start working towards that and having some type of baseline because something comes up and very quickly, whether it's an emergency or unemployment and really quickly you can go into credit card debt and once you get in pretty deep it, it gets it's such a hill to, to climb out of because you're paying usually 15 to 22 percent interest and you're like man i'm paying like so much every single month why isn't this going down the interest is ridiculous and it's it's costing you a lot of money and so yeah you, you definitely that would be like the biggest thing to avoid if you can avoid credit cards you're really gonna be so much better off than the average american because of the average debt that americans kind of carry on that high interest debt like cars are only about four percent interest rate houses are as low as like three percent interest rate right now uh, one free tip for anyone listening if you plan on staying in your home for two to three years and your interest rate is above like 3.75 percent currently 
you probably want to check out refinancing your mortgage because there there could be some significant savings because what I'm seeing here in Colorado, it's about 3%. It's been floating a little bit above that every couple of weeks, but pretty close to 3%, which is ridiculously low in terms of cost. With the state of things the way they are right now with, with COVID and, and all the uncertainty that, that there might be around the country, around the world, um, do you have any specific advice to those that, that may be weighed down by, by particular amounts of debt or uh, what to do if they do have some savings? Are there things that we, that we need to be looking out for, looking towards, uh, planning for uh, either rainy day or planning for the, the sun to return soon? Yeah. So I think the the emergency funds is the biggest thing back when that that's step one for a lot of my clients anyways in general, but I, I do do a lot of content and social media and things like that. And I was trying to make it as obvious as possible. Like emergency savings is the biggest thing that you want to make sure that you have locked down. Once you kind of get past that and kind of maybe like a 1B would be don't be investing funds in stocks if that's not short or if that's long-term money, that's fine. But if it's short-term, you don't really want to be investing in any type of stock. I don't care if it's tech or not. Just because things have gone up, those things are get hammered very quickly. We actually saw everything get hammered pretty heavily back in the springtime. It's since almost recovered fully, which is crazy how it, that happened within a, a one month time span where we saw some of the highest movements in a week, in a day, and some of the lowest movements in a week and a day as far as how the stock market percentages work. And that was pretty crazy and insane. But even though things are looking good right now, stock market wise and pricing wise, you never want to have funds that technically are emergency savings or like, let's say uh, my clients that were getting married or like, if you have that tied to a particular goal in the next two years, do not invest that money. Like sure, you can make a little bit more, but there's so much more of a downside if you lose 50% of that value. One of the big things I've seen too with kind of tech professionals, like you learn about the stock market, it's cool. You can make money over long-term time horizons you're going to make more money than the likelihood that you're going to lose it. But in short-term time periods, you can get fleeced. And there was the tech bubble back in 2000. There was the financial crisis, 2008, 2009. And those those were pretty bad. And even tech got hammered. Tech came back pretty strong since then, but everything got hammered across the board, basically. Well, before we start wrapping up, uh, so that we hopefully end on a on a higher note, are there there things that we we could start doing or, or continue doing from here and and making the world better for ourselves, better for our families, better for our communities? Make sure you're doing the 401k matching with your employer, even if it's a, a new employer and you're like, ah, I might not be here in a few months. Just do it. The money you contribute into that, you still get your own money back when you're not with an employer for a certain time period you might not get the free money that employer match if you leave within a certain certain time period and all employers are a little different as far as how that time period is. But that's important. If your company has an employee stock purchase plan, and this is kind of getting a Clayton's, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but yeah, stock options, employee stock purchase plan, employee stock purchase plan is something you have to opt into. And that means you get a big discount on employer stock and you can sell it right away and make a guaranteed kind of return. You want to take care and take advantage of that if you can. Make sure you have the emergency savings. As I'll, I have no problem saying emergency savings like 50 times in a podcast because it's just so important. Um, 
So those things are big. And then talking if you have significant others about like what what's the most important? Are we headed in the same direction? What things can we look at? And when it comes to relationships and significant others too, don't be like, you need to, to change this. Say, hey, this is what I'm going to change. This is what I'm going to do. Kind of lead by example and show like that you're making sacrifices because what that will do is kind of inspire them to like, whoa, like John, John volunteered to make this change on something that he actually enjoys. Like maybe I should consider that. Maybe it's important enough to him to do that. Maybe I should do that. So I think that's another big problem that happens with relationships is you're the first one to attack like, oh, why'd you buy that Yankee candle? Um, which is something maybe like five, 10 years ago with my wife, I, I used to get frustrated by those things, but I have my own stuff I enjoy. And you just kind of have to understand like what actually matters. And then you can back into those things. As far as helping the community around us, you guys had a charity episode a while back. It was probably like a year and a half ago now around the holidays. And that's that's super important to kind of get back to your community. One cool thing is if you have like employer stock that's accumulated and it's going to be like a tax burden to you, it's better off to donate appreciated stock than it is to donate cash. And because of the tax advantages associated with that. So you'll want to make sure that you have a smart kind of tax plan. Taxes are huge for anyone listening. If you're making six figures, there's definitely some tax planning that could be happening, whether it's with your employer stock or things of that nature. But that's one way to have kind of giving back to your community around you and reducing your tax impacts by giving stock instead of cash. And the the charity or the organization doesn't care <laughs> as long as it's the same dollar amount, basically. And it, it definitely helps quite a bit. I think, I think those are big ones. I haven't gotten to this point. My children are young, but I think when you have children, it's important, kind of like how your mother did for you, John, of sharing some type of financial knowledge and wisdom. That's the biggest issue right now. That's why I'm able to have so many clients that need this help is because you don't get taught this stuff in school. Some of it's complex, sure, but some of it is pretty basic as far as like budgeting, avoiding credit card debts, understanding how to use credit cards. Credit cards actually are a good tool. You can get a lot of free money if you take advantage of the rewards, but paid off every single month so that you don't ever actually pay interest. And so that's uh, another kind of easy go-to as long as you make sure that you're not going to trick yourself into accidentally spending more because you get bonuses and rewards. Those bonuses and rewards is only one or 2% of that additional cost that you're charging. So you're still spending like $98 more for every additional $100 that you're doing just to get their rewards. And so don't trick yourself like, oh, I'm going to get rewards if I do this or I get more flight miles. I saw that all the time when I was working in the credit union, like people are like, oh yeah, like I get all this. Well, you're paying like 20% in interest, like that you're paying way more than you're getting in the rewards. So you just, if you're smart about it and you're intentional, you can actually do really awesome things and make like maybe half a percent of your income back um, by running everything through credit cards and doing it diligently and intentionally. So is there anything that, that we've missed that we haven't talked about that you want to be sure to to tell all the the young folks entering into tech or the people that have maybe been in the career for a while? The biggest thing is whether or not you're on track at this point, you are still in control of what that looks like. And again, it might be a little bit more painful <laughs> of a pill to swallow, but if you start making some significant changes and start start making them, you'll feel good about it. And then that does kind of help level up and, and make that progress. Once you 
build up your emergency savings. Clayton mentioned that you kind of build these lifestyle expenses and it's hard to go back from there. The same thing happens on the other end. If you see your 401k at a certain amount, if you see your emergency savings at a certain amount, you're like, I don't want that to go down. And so you you start to be smarter. You kind of trigger yourself to, because you don't want to feel the pain of falling below 50000 or 30000 whatever is in that emergency savings. And with your 401k, you're like, yep, I don't want that to go down. And so you kind of keep plugging away and maybe you get a, a raise and you throw a percentage of that raise towards that to, to start building up that snowball, getting things, momentum and compound interest on your side. I don't know if people are familiar with, but there's an easy calculation. If you divide 72 by the rate of return that you expect to get over a certain time period, it'll tell you how long it takes for your account to double. So if you have 7.2% rate of return and you divide that by 72, it will double every 10 years. So it's pretty, pretty crazy how those things can work out and yeah, the, the funds that you have now could potentially double in the next 10 years, and that's that's going to help you. The The last thing, kind of on a downside, but just more so to be aware of it, is like inflation is a real thing, and that's the cost of things going up every day. That's why you don't put things in just a savings account only, because your savings account, you're getting 0.05%. Hopefully, when you're investing, you're going to get a return that's greater than inflation, which on average is about 2.5% to 3% a year. And so that's why investing and putting stuff in a retirement account is so important because you want to you want your purchasing power to outgrow what inflation does because if you just put it in your pillow if you put it in a savings account it's not going to grow fast enough and it's actually going to lose value every single year but the emergency funds is, is that in a savings account or is that somewhere that's another highly accessible account somewhere basically a savings account what i end up doing with my clients is there are some like more purely 100% online-based savings accounts where you might get like a 1% interest rate right now. It's not a lot. It's not going to keep up with inflation, but it'll be better than the 0.05%. That one's just kind of smart emergency money. You do have to recognize that, yep, it's not going to grow for you, but it is going to protect you from going to credit card debt, which is 22%. So credit card debt is worse than inflation. And so that's kind of how I build this hierarchy of kind of thinking. Okay. So for any of our listeners who might be interested in hearing more pearls of wisdom or who might want to contact you for official financial advice, do you have any social media that they might be able to reach you at? Yep. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook or, and YouTube technically. Um, so I'm on all those social media platforms. The best way would probably just go to my website, levelupfinancialplanning.com. And that's linked to all my social sites. I do strategy guides, which are basically blog posts. I do cheat sheets, which are infographs. I do video posts. And I also started a podcast last year where I cover financial topics. I cover the the stock options and things. Clayton, if you want to check those out. And then I rotate in different kind of tech techies, people that share their story and background as far as how they got into tech, kind of what they are really passionate about moving forward and, and those types of things. So yeah, feel free to check it out. And then if any of this kind of hit a nerve and you're like, yeah, I need to really get things figured out, you can easily schedule a complimentary meeting there too. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And we'll be sure to have all those links to those uh, in the show notes as well. Do you have any other resources that you might recommend to, to people to, to check out that are either looking to get out of debt or, or looking to learn more about investing or, or anything along those lines? 
Yeah, so I think the most straightforward one would be like a Dave Ramsey type style course if you're trying to get out of debt. Dave Ramsey is really good at budgeting and getting out of debt. Uh, as far as like investing, one thing I don't like about referring any particular things is because there's so many different ways you can go with it. So I don't want to highlight one thing if it's not going to be a good fit for someone. But there is a lot of information out there. That's one of the things I don't cover too much in my videos because of compliance reasons. I can't say, hey, you should do this or that in terms of how much you should be investing or what types of things you should be investing in. But I do cover kind of why you should be investing and how to think about those types of things. But yeah, you do an online search, you're going to find quite a bit. Reddit, you might find some gold there, but you might find some some garbage too. So you'll definitely probably want to look at three or four different kind of areas and make sure it doesn't sound too good to be true because there's a lot of people sometimes trying to sell something. And so a lot of that is what you'll see too. So you'll want to make sure that you've got a long track record of anyone that you're looking at following because you don't want someone that just read a book or just did something one way and they're not aware of all the different options and ways that you can approach these things. Definitely highly recommend the the tailored approach. So be sure to to reach out for Lucas or reach out to my mother and maybe she can set you up with the financial (laughs) planner as well. But with that, appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, John and Clayton. That was Lucas Casares. Lucas is a fiduciary, certified financial planner, and founder of Level Up Financial Planning, Power Up Tax Planning Service, and host of Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And be sure to catch us live each week on Twitch and follow us on Twitter at Six Figure Dev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I am John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. Thank <laughs> you.